Hello there. I appreciate you joining me in the third episode of Career Podcast with Audrey Prenzel. You got it? I'm Audrey Prenzel. In episode one, I shared important points to think about before you release from the Canadian Armed Forces or whatever military you serve in. In the second episode, I covered the resumes and right now, it's all about cover letters. I'll start by discussing whether you actually need a cover letter or not. Then I'll share the three types of scenarios that do absolutely require a cover letter and what they should look like. Okay, let's go. I've been in the careers game for two plus decades. I can honestly say it's about a 50-50 split depending on who you talk to, whether they say you need a cover letter or not. Now, when I say they, I'm referring to human resources folks or recruiters or search firms or hiring managers. In your particular case, here's the deal. If you'll be working in a trade, which a lot of you will do, or you're looking for some sort of blue-collar, warehousing, customer service, hospitality, manufacturing, or retail opportunity, you don't need a cover letter. Probably you don't need a cover letter. That being said, though, you should make sure that your resume is basically what I call a standalone document. It has to have that who, what, where, when, why that recruiters or temp agencies or human resources people or whoever the decision maker is. Make sure that they get all the information that they need to hopefully call you in for an interview. Honestly, those level of jobs are quite vacant these days across Canada and the U.S., so they're not extremely difficult to get. You see those signs everywhere? Hiring today, paid weekly, sign-on bonus. What about we pay in cash? (laughs) Have you seen those? Since the onset of COVID, screening and HR personnel are tired. They've been trying to get people to fill these types of roles, and it's been very, very difficult for them. So if you can present all of your information in a one-page, succinct resume, That makes them happy, saves them time, and gets you hired. If you're looking for something in the mid-management or executive level, and a lot of you are looking at these levels, the opportunities you're looking at will probably say you have to include a cover letter. These could be senior level, IT or logistics or banking or healthcare or administration or even municipal government positions. So let's talk about that. I think you know by this point that you need to ensure the letterhead and the cover letter is the exact same letterhead that you've used on your resume and will use on your professional reference sheet. Everything has to match. If it doesn't, it looks sloppy. It looks like you don't care or you don't pay attention to details. Speaking about your resume, just briefly here, this is a good time to tell you that a cover letter is not a repeat of the contents of your resume. To me, the military uses dates backwards. I suppose it's the metric system, the dates backwards and the rest of us. So see how the company posts the information about the dates in the job ads and use that format. You don't want to start off with, you know, applying to a job (laughs) the way you wrote the date. It's three months early or three months late. Start off with the person's name, dear so-and-so. If not, try something like dear human resources manager or dear decision maker or 
selection committee, selection committee chair, do not put to whom it may concern and never put dear sirs. You might be laughing when I say this, but people still write this. And I'm not just talking military people. I see it, people sending me stuff to have a look at, civilians just as much as military. So it's dated. Don't do it. So let's get back to the content of the cover letter. You're looking at three paragraphs. You'll start with a brief introductory paragraph indicating the position you're interested in. Less is more. Ideally, two well-crafted sentences will hit home. So, for example, something like this. With 25 years of experience steering large-scale aircraft maintenance programs in a no-room-for-error context, I'm pleased to share my availability to be Prenzel Airlines' next fleet maintenance manager. My resume detailing how I successfully supported the Royal Canadian Air Force in this capacity follows this cover letter. Boom. That's it. That will work. In the second paragraph, or the body of the letter, as we call it, you want to indicate how you meet their needs. This is where you would share your relevant work experience first and foremost. Sharing your relevant work experience means quantifying, qualifying. I call it bragging. You call it just doing your job. Whatever you and I call it, give numbers, give dollar values, give timelines. Give information that substantiates an achievement or two. Doing a little bit of research to find out the company's pain point is always smart. Find out how they're suffering the most. What's their current challenge? A challenge can be masked as expansion or a new product line or new service stream. Assuming that the job you are applying for is supposed to tackle this problem, paint the picture so that they see you're the band-aid to their pain point. Add any extra special capabilities you bring to the table, such as being bilingual or perhaps knowing sign language. Or there could be pertinent soft skills that you could add, something like you're a master of conflict resolution or you enjoy coaching younger professionals. This type of information is not only marketable for you, but you're actually working to break down any stereotypical view that someone not familiar with the military, but who's a decision maker, might have about you. Briefly mention relevant education, but let them know the full scope of your education and professional development is detailed in the resume. If there's anything else like technology or special certifications, be sure to include those. I like to finish these middle paragraphs with a sentence something like, Although I'm proud of the experience and qualifications I'm offering, as a lifelong learner, I'm certainly receptive to engage in any necessary onboard or mentoring program operated by Prenzel Airlines. This shows that you're confident, but you're not cocky. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You have to be nice. You can have the best qualifications in the world, but you have to be likable. If nobody likes you, nobody's hiring you. The final paragraph usually says the why. Why do you want to leave your current job? Why do you want to leave the military, Army, Navy, Air Force? It's okay to say you've fulfilled your contract and it's time to move on. You never have to indicate that you are a 3B release, which 
is a medical release in the Canadian Armed Forces. Unless you're applying for a federal government opportunity, the corporate sector doesn't care. And quite frankly, it's none of their business. So don't share that private information. You can say you're ready to move back to your hometown or you're looking to settle in one place or you're looking for something new or eager to settle permanently in one community or whatever the case may be. Let them know you're hopeful to hear from them and that you're willing to meet for an initial phone call or online video screening or in-person interview. Thank them for their consideration and sign off sincerely, whatever your name is. These cover letters are one page. It's actually nice if there can be three quarters of one page. Never indicate the salary you're looking for unless it's specifically asked in the job ad or by the recruiter. Job ads usually will not ask this. Sometimes recruiters or search firms will. Don't indicate that you don't need any benefits or that you will forego the company picking up the tab to pay for a relocation because you're entitled to this with your final military move and you'll have continued benefits after you're out. These are possibly giving up things in advance that they can beat you down with when it comes to salary negotiation later on. And I'm sharing this with you here now, even though we're talking about cover letters, because I can't tell you how many times I've seen people give up all of this information freely to their own detriment in a cover letter. I will discuss how to win at salary negotiations in another episode, but I just want to mention this briefly here now. Please don't do that. The only other point I have for the regular cover letter is don't include references in it. Don't even include a matching reference sheet unless it's asked for. You don't want your references being called and you don't even know about it. This can happen. You don't want to give out the reference sheet and you haven't even had an interview yet. You don't do it unless you're a serious contender, you've been interviewed, and the company has asked for it. Again, I'm sharing this with you because people have given this at the wrong time. References were called without the job candidate even knowing, without the job candidate even having been interviewed. Let me tell you, things went south. Things went south before they even started. People didn't even know they were a contender until their references told them, yeah, I got a call about you the other day. (laughs) It happened. So please don't do that. I will talk about how to select and successfully employ professional references in yet another upcoming podcast. There are samples of cover letters in my book. Of course, Military to Civvy Street, the complete job transition guide for those leaving the RCAF, Army, and RCN. In fact, they actually match the corresponding resumes in the first part of the book. So at the beginning of this podcast, I said there are three types of cover letters. Technically, it's two subcomponents of one category referred to as government. In Canada, of course, we have federal and provincial levels of government. The provincial level is equivalent to a state in the U.S., I mentioned municipal government with the private sector work earlier in this podcast because those tend to be treated more like a business or private sector oriented resumes. They're not part of the same system that provincial and federal governments use. So that's why I put those there in case you're wondering about that. If you're looking for provincial or federal opportunities, 
you do absolutely need a cover letter for these applications. And in fact, federal applications, most of the cover letter encapsulates your application. The cover letter is the big, fat, hairy deal. You're allotted, sometimes it's 10,000 words in a federal cover letter. Your task with these cover letters is to basically answer every question they ask in the federal job advertisement, as well as how you meet every single listed core and essential competency. These are a lot of work, and they are their own separate breed of cover letters. In these cases, the resumes technically ask, act as more of a backup document. The cover letter is front and center without question. You literally copy and paste the questions they ask and write a well-thought-out little mini-essay-type answer to every question. They are very clear. In order to be considered, your application must clearly explain how you meet the following essential qualifications. It's not enough to say you're good at time management, if that's the essential qualification they're looking for. So if you can't say, I'm good at time management, or leave it at that, what do you say? Well, I have an example for you right here. My time management skills are exceptional, and I have consistently leveraged them throughout my career. To specifically support my point in my current role at base name, whatever the base name is, I am not only doing my administrative logistics role, I've also been tasked to fulfill the responsibilities of two of my peers who are away on long-term sick leave. In addition to this, I've been keeping up with the demands of a special warehousing inventory project that was assigned to me last month. Unlike others who held this role before me, I've thrived in my core accountabilities and I've also ensured that I've continued to meet the requirements of my secondary duties, including social committee, fire warden, and harassment advisor. My reference, who is my immediate supervisor, will confirm that the quality of my work has not been hampered whatsoever by these additional workload demands. I'm ready to offer this caliber of time management to your department. Whoa, how's that? Yeah, pretty good. That'll do it. I'll mention that there are places within the application system with the federal government to indicate that you are a veteran. If you happen to be what is referred to as those 3B or medically released personnel, there are further areas where you would check boxes. Just very recently, the province of Ontario has implemented a veteran-friendly recruiting approach, and there's a special recruitment page on their website just for veterans. I can post that link afterwards. Overall, though, unless a job ad indicates that they have a preference for hiring veterans, don't bank on simply being a vet as marketable. You, again, have to paint that picture, why you are intriguing enough to be called in for an interview. This is the case in Canada. I know that in the States, Veterans are much more sought after than here, sadly, but I mean, it is what it is. I've been personally spreading the word about hire a veteran in Canada since 2001. I'm getting there, but I still have a ways to go. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Although 
with the specialized cover letters and the resumes, that's part of it. You have to build a profile with the government of Canada, an online profile. These take a long time. They take a lot of work. And even as you're about to learn that you're going to get an interview once you've applied, you could have applied to that job maybe six or eight or 10 months ago. It's a slow process. You are smart to start the federal application online profile building even a year before you are going to be leaving the military. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm a strong advocate of start everything sooner than you think you have to. In terms of structure, provincial cover letters can be very similar to their federal counterparts. For example, with the province of Ontario again, I always took every core competency and ensured I addressed the qualification or character trait or specific set of skills they were asking for. I addressed them one by one. What I'm saying is I literally copied the key point from the job ad, pasted it into the cover letter, and wrote the answer to it directly under the point from the job ad. That way, there are no ifs, ands, or buts. Every question or point was addressed. An interview-generating cover letter for the province of Ontario is usually two or three full pages. Expect to put thought into this, a lot of thought. Their overall maximum for the resume and cover letters combined, you send it in one document, is five full pages. So that's a lot. Some of the headings in the cover letter, each with five or six further bulleted points underneath, could include sample categories such as customer service and communication skills, administrative skills, specialized knowledge, analytical planning and organizational skills, computer skills, leadership interpersonal problem solving and negotiation skills, and relationship management and political acuity. Pretty diverse, eh? For provincial cover letters, you shore it up at the end with a brief paragraph that reiterates any extra qualifications you're bringing to the party your hard and soft skills and professional development that supports your candidacy. Again, let them know you're available for an initial phone screening, which they will do, or video conference call or an in-person interview. Thank them for their consideration and finish a course with sincerely your name. I always prefer sincerely over yours truly. I think sincerely is good in the business world. I don't think you have to say something like, I can be contacted at the phone number above. To me, that's obvious and it kind of just sucks up space that you don't need used. So I'm pretty sure if it's obvious to me, it's obvious to the person who's reading it. Uh, I always say there has to be value in every point, in every word, in every phrase, in every sentence. And if there's no point in it, it shouldn't be there. In all of this, just like with your writing and all your speaking, your networking, anybody you want to connect with in any capacity in the public or civilian sector. Do not use one single military acronym. Say everything out completely. And if when you say the full name of an organization of your branch or the particular section you work in, and it still might not be clear to a civilian, take the time to make it clear. 
Don't assume they know. Don't assume they're going to be able to figure it out. They don't have to. There's other job candidates. It's not their job to make you state your place of work or whatever you're trying to say clearly. That's your job. If they don't understand where you work, you better share its function. You want to, again, build that bridge between you and the reader, not break one down. Oh, (laughs) and make sure you use Canadian spelling, please. Our spelling conventions are a unique combination between UK and US spelling practices. I posted some resources to help with this in the previous episode. I'll also post those reference links in my Facebook group, Military to Civvy Street Job Insight. I know I've covered a lot of details in this episode. The best thing you can do is start way before you think you have to. Make sure you have all your information, you know what you want to shoot for, and then systematically follow the steps from these in the previous two podcasts. But hey, don't forget, keep listening for upcoming podcasts too because I have a lot more to tell you. I want to thank you again for tuning in. Please feel free to share this podcast with someone else who could benefit from it. Leave comments and, of course, hit subscribe if you'd like a PDF copy of my book, Military to Civvy Street, e-transfer $20 to audrey.prenzel at gmail.com, and I'll send you the link to download it. Also, I'm not writing so much anymore, but I am available for one-to-one coaching and advisement to help you achieve your career transition goals. Email me, audrey.prenzel at gmail.com. Of course, you're also welcome to follow me and message me on Instagram. Look for my username, Audrey Prenzel. Life can be challenging. Until our next episode, purposefully take good care of yourself. <laughs>